Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. How would the world be different if every kid, every boy, had someone who believed in them? Stay tuned to find out. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net. And I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thank you for being our listeners and thank you for supporting our sponsors. What if every boy had someone who believed in him? How different would the world be if every kid, every boy had someone who believed in them? Today's guest recently asked that question on Twitter And I think that it's one we should discuss, not because you, our listeners, don't believe in your boys, but because a lot of people don't. And if we're honest, that doubt can and sometimes does seep into our interactions with our children and our students as well. If when we believe in our boys, good things happen. Joining us today is Jason Cantor, a homeschool tutor dyslexic educator and teen mentor welcome jason thank you guys so much for having me what an introduction that's awesome. i didn't even give jason the heads up that that's exactly what we were going to be talking about today because <laughs> i didn't figure it out until last night nice. but jason this is so important i mean belief mm-hmm. belief in our boys belief in our children mm-hmm. it's everything how did you come to that realization fortunately I grew up with a pretty supportive mom and dad. So I feel like getting in my spot, you can either have been raised with neither, right? Like no supportive parents. And then that makes you want to help others who have gone through something similar. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think I had the reverse where I had very supportive parents and, you know, it's so amazing and wonderful. And now I feel like, because I had this awesome experience, I want to try to fill the void for anybody who doesn't have experiences like that. Sure. But- I'll be honest, this was not the career path I thought I was going to have. And Join the rest of us, Jason. <laughs> right? <laughs> it, it's been a really weird turn of events. Obviously, growing up in New York City, there's a lot of young men who don't have stable households, whether that's no father figure, no mother figure, no parents at all, just dysfunctional families, right? So most of my friends actually growing up had some sort of situation like that, like either a product of divorce or two of my best friends growing up had no dads in their life. So I kind of just, I guess, subconsciously was paying attention to all these things. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, when I decided to be a teacher, I just didn't want to sit in front of the class, like a classroom all day. And then crazy turn of events. Here we are. So I didn't really answer your question. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Well, I love that you said you didn't want to stand in front of a classroom all day. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, to me, is typical Mm -hmm. guy. Like, I don't want to just be there. I want to do all these other things. So how did you expand out Mm. from there? Are you dyslexic? Is that? I've never 
been tested just because I don't think my parents knew to test me. You know, I, I love them all to I love both my parents to death, but they're very old fashioned where it's very work harder. You're lazy, you know, Mm-hmm. Ah, whereas mm-hmm. maybe my dysfunction in school wasn't laziness. Perhaps it was some sort of disability, perhaps. So I don't know that I like I've never been diagnosed, but I've worked with so many dyslexics now and I share identical symptoms Mm-hmm. to them where perhaps because dyslexia, as I've learned, is a bit of a spectrum. So Yeah. maybe I fall somewhere on there because I share so many similarities, but I've never been tested, so I don't know. Let's Um, talk a little bit about those symptoms and this idea of, I mean, frankly, kind of not believing in it, just work harder yeah. because that is still prevalent. So yeah. talk about symptoms first. What are some common symptoms and what are some of those commonalities you see between some of the students you work with and yourself? Totally. Uh, okay. So I think obviously the major one that most people know is just general struggles with reading, whether that's letters, you know, flipping around B's and D's, I think is the most common one. I think taking that a step further from what I've noticed is a lot of dyslexics have trouble having an inner monologue, right? Because they have trouble reading. This is what they have told me, right? They, um, they struggle to read and, you know, a lot of reading is like, you know, we read it in our head and we hear the voice in our head. I don't know what the science is behind it. I've never really looked into it, but they don't have that voice. So one of the dyslexics I work with, he, I asked him and I, I had no idea. I was just like, can't you hear the letters in your head? And he's like, no, I can't. And I'm like, so when you read, what are you like, what are you doing? And he's just like, it's all memorization. So I just remember words and then I have an association, like a picture. So I was, I use dog as the example. So I'm like, when I say D-O-G, you don't hear the sounds in your head. And he said, no, I just know what the letter D-O-G stands for. So a lot of dyslexics just have this crazy memory bank of just memorizing the words as opposed to actually understanding them. So That goes with something a, a good friend of mine back when we were homeschooling, um, sure. one of her sons was struggling to read and she would Yeah. feel a little like he he knew this today and tomorrow he doesn't know it Mhm. because he wasn't getting those sound relationships. Sure. I think it was what you were saying. He could like Could be. look at the word maybe and memorize what that word meant, but that doesn't doesn't mean he would know what that D sound meant in a different Yeah. word tomorrow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like when I was learning my like, I guess, dyslexic teaching abilities or whatever you want to call it, I would get so frustrated because I'm like, you read 10 words that have similar letters, but then you approach a brand new word and you totally forgot what it all sounded like. And I think that sort of like frustration that most people have due to lack of understanding is like, well, why aren't you getting it? And it's like, there's literally like not a connection in the brain. That's the sounds to the letters. They just have a, a crazy memory bank. So dyslexics, one thing I've noticed is they have amazing memory. Like the boy that I work with in the mornings who I help homeschool, his memory is unlike anything I've ever experienced. He'll remember things that I said like three years ago and can tell me like the day and the time. And I just thought he was like a savant, you know, another dyslexic that I've worked with, same thing. I don't even remember half the stuff that I said, because it just like comes out. <laughs> and Right. he's like, oh, remember when you said that? And I'm like, no, I don't. No. <laughs> and, and, and they're like, how do you not remember? And I'm like, how do you remember? So that's another one. And then something that I've been studying recently is poor handwriting 
is associated with uh, dyslexia. And I'm still studying as to like what the exact reason for that is, but all dyslexic I've worked with cannot write well. And they, it's almost illegible. This is so fascinating because we know mm -hmm. that handwriting, just that um, pen to paper and holding the pen actually yeah. is super connected to your brain. Mm -hmm. Like it turns it on, yeah. which is why young children should not be using a keyboard. They need to mm -hmm. be having pen, pencil in hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we also know that generally speaking, because young boys develop at a different pace than girls, mm -hmm. their physical ability to hold a pencil, to form letters, it may take longer, which is part mm -hmm. of why parents and educators get confused. Sure. Like, what's that line between typical and yeah. maybe we need to look at, is there something else going on? Yeah. 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 And along with that is that boys typically read mm. later than girls. So add that into the mix of like, wait a minute, he's in second grade and he's not reading yet. Is <laughs> he's it, not yeah. reading. His handwriting's messy. Yeah. yeah. Ah. It can be just typical development sure. or, you know, looking at dyslexia. And mm -hmm. when, when you're talking about these boys with this incredible memory and remembering yeah. these things, like that sounds exhausting. To yeah, me, it is. To keep um, track of all of that. To us or to non-dyslexics, I guess, it seems exhausting. But to them, it's just intuitive. Like, it's almost normal for them. Like, they don't even get fatigued or anything by it. Their brains are just, you know, they fire in different ways. And certain parts are hotter than others. So, like, to them, it's just, like, if I try to remember, I can get it, like, it's tiring. Because I'm like, I yeah. can't remember. But for them, it's just, like, normal. I so, don't think that my Tyler is dyslexic. I should mm -hmm. ask him what he thinks. He's 22 <laughs> yeah. now, Jason. Sure. Um, but when he was little, he was a late reader. And we were homeschooling, so we had time. Like, I sure. didn't really care if he read when he was six. But he got super into playing um, Yu-Gi-Oh, the card oh, game. Oh, nice. I love Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid. All right. So Yu-Gi-Oh, for listeners who don't know, or even those that do, you know, it's a card game, and there's these characters, and there's <laughs> all these little words on the card. Oh, yeah. Words. And it explains what this function is and how this card works in relationship to other ones. He could not read this stuff. He could mm -hmm. not. But he wanted to play with the older kids at the <laughs> at the card shop. He memorized so many cards. Like, he knew what they were doing. And mm -hmm. I was shocked. I thought for sure he was just making this up. Like, this is what this card does. But yeah. I would read the words, and he was right. And so yeah. somehow he had that ability. And... Yeah used what he had and so probably one of the things that you do if we're talking about mm -hmm. belief in boys and working with boys you want to build on their strengths mm -hmm. instead of just always focusing on okay maybe you you're having a hard time with these sounds but look what you can do yeah i think that ties into like the fourth thing that i've come to learn about dyslexia is that they seem to thrive in a few areas like they tend to be innovators creators builders generally speaking, like entrepreneurs and engineers, oddly enough, like I know a few famous, you know, like Leonardo da Vinci was a dyslexic, supposedly Richard Branson, um, amongst a few others, athletes as well tend to be dyslexics. So like if a parent is asking me like, oh, I think my child might be dyslexic, I'll ask them the same questions I said before. And then I'll say like, where do their strengths come out? And almost without fail, it's in like these four or five major categories. And 
drawing on what you just said is you have to play to those strengths. I mean, like a dyslexic who goes through the public school system, they, they're like tormented by how they feel just dumb, to be frank, mm -hmm. right? They're mm -hmm. sitting there in class, they can't read. And it's no fault of the public school systems. Like mm -hmm. they can't cater to one child's specific needs when there's 30 or 40 kids in the class. But, you know, they go through school and they're like, well, I can't read. I'm not catching up to my peers. I'm mm -hmm. struggling. Everyone just thinks I'm lazy or unmotivated. And that's why I'm not doing my homework. So that's why I think it's so important that like a dyslexic has to have their confidence built. That's like number one. All, all everyone does. Right. Mm -hmm. But if we're speaking just in like a school manner, like their 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 tutoring and their schooling should only be 50 percent, in my opinion, like learning to read and practicing those things. And the other stuff has to be like focused on their confidence, because if they don't feel like they can actually do it, their fundamentals are going nowhere. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think there's this big interplay between are they confident in themselves enough to take on the challenge of learning to read? And you can throw the best tips and tools and have the greatest teachers. But like if they don't believe in themselves, they're not going anywhere and they're not going to read. And how do they learn to believe in themselves? They have to have someone who believes in them. Exactly. Right? So it's kind of this mm -hmm. cycle. And you guys know this. And I think with dyslexics, it's especially important. Through my asking all the public school kids that I've worked with who are dyslexic, they say they grew up feeling very slow, unintelligent. And it's only yeah. when they get older and they have the freedom to do whatever they want and immerse themselves yes. in like their passions or whatever, do they recognize that, wow. I actually am smart in certain areas and, you know, they go from there. So that's kind of my uh, yeah. approach, I guess, to it. Because our schools are so literacy based. Mm -hmm. I'm a reader and a writer. This is what I like to do for fun and professionally. Yeah. I highly value literacy, but it almost has become the exclusive focus of early yeah. education from preschool mm -hmm. on. And so when you have a kid who struggles with those things, whether it is just because developmentally they're not ready mm -hmm. or they have dyslexia, of course they feel like a failure because that's yeah. all anybody asks them to do for what, like four <laughs> years or more, right, Janet? Yeah, yeah and, and I think the being freed up to homeschool and not everyone is. And listeners, if you do have a son who's struggling, it is really stepping away from that place of you are lazy. I think that mm -hmm. we, you know, we think, oh, he's not doing his homework. So you have that big battle looking at what else is going on there. And then, yeah. as you said, like, let's find out. And Jen and I talk about this all the time. What are his passions? Play to his strengths. It mm -hmm. doesn't have to be pen to paper it doesn't have to be open the book there's so many other ways to learn and do i think that's critical for every kid's development in my opinion i love what you said you know even if a child a boy is having a hard time reading and has dyslexia or another learning challenge that affects mm -hmm. his ability to read yes you want to work on that reading yeah. is important in our mm -hmm. society yeah but it doesn't have to be all the time. Yeah. Doesn't have to be all the time. You said, you know, 50%. Find out what the other 50% can be after these messages from our sponsors. Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. 
at homethreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com. And we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order. Because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. Spend some of that other time encouraging and supporting this innovation and creativity building. This is something that I've seen you talk about on mm. social media, how you encourage and support kids' creativity and um, ingenuity. Talk about yeah. how that plays into helping them learn and developing the confidence because they need that belief sure. in themselves as well. Of course. Schools are great in that, you know, we all need to learn how to read. We all need to learn how to write and comprehend. And to a certain extent, math and all those other subjects are very important. And I think they're valuable. And I am not one to say they need to go away. But again, there's so much learning left on the table when you're not exploring your passions, right? Like failure at, on a math test is one thing. But failure at, let's say, a kid trying to build a business is going to teach them so many more lessons, in my opinion, that like mm -hmm. a school failure doesn't do. Because mm -hmm. let's just call it what it is. Most kids don't care about school. So I when know. they fail, they're like, whatever. But when you put your heart and soul into something and it doesn't go the way you want, you're actually learning like what failure is like. Because, you know, now that I'm older and an adult, I've been encountered failures and I wasn't prepared for them. Because I, I assumed that my failures in college based around grades and all that was the same type of failure that like my passions or something or like a business adventure would lead me to. And it wasn't. And I wasn't no. prepared for it. And it's a humbling experience because when we love something so much like our passions and it doesn't go the way we want, where we're like at this crossroads where we're upset that we failed and we're kind of mad that the thing we love that's always come easy is now challenging. And that's a lesson that most kids need to see is that it's okay mm. to be frustrated with the things that we love because that's just life and not everything is going to go smoothly. So that's one reason why I think encouraging like that self-curiosity and exploration is so important because not, not everything we like is always going to go the way we want it to. Just like with like our relationships, for example, you're not going to have like sunshine and rainbows with everyone just because you know, oh, it's your Jason. I know, right? I know. And and unicorns, come on. I wish. Oh, I wish glitter, like come on, Jason. <laughs> I know. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. You know what, though? I mean, he's absolutely right. I am a professional writer. I have been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. I just got feedback um yesterday on an article that I wrote earlier this week. I felt good about it. <laughs> Guess what? Dang, yeah. Jen. It needs mm. some work and my first reaction was like no it doesn't 
because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a human. I, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. The editor has some points. She absolutely yeah. does have some points. And I thought about it overnight. And um, there's things that I can do to strengthen it. And because mm-hmm. this is something I care about, I'm motivated to do it. You know, yeah. as you were saying, if if I fail at something that I don't care about, whatever, fine. Yeah, I'm not going to go back and redo it. Yeah. But if a kid is working on building something, whether that's a you know a tremendous Lego model or a business, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and there's an obstacle and things don't go well and there's a, a failure or something doesn't go the way they want, they are much more motivated yeah. because they want whatever the outcome is. And that, you're sure. right. That's where growth is. Like that's where we learn how to cope with the disappointment. We learn we mm-hmm. can overcome those emotions. Yeah. And then we we learn how to, okay, well, that didn't work. Based on knowing that, what might work? And that's mm-hmm. learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think so. And I think it teaches just too much to like not do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it, it's really good to just face those negativities and then especially when they're like around something we like, I've also noticed that it's a, it's an easier pill to swallow because it's like, all mm-hmm. right, you know, you've been, you know, writing is, is everything to you. Right. So it's easier to like swallow that failure and bounce back because you're like, well, I love this and I want to get better at it. So you have that like moment of frustration where you want to say everyone else is wrong. Right. We all do that. And then quickly you realize, okay, I love writing. So let me take what people are saying into account and, fix it because I genuinely care about my progress, right? When all a kid knows is school and that's all they think their intelligence is wrapped up in, they're not going to care about progressing because it's not intrinsically motivating. It's just, I have to get a grade for school because then I have to get into college. Then I have to get a job. It's never like I actually want to get better at writing because I care about it or I want to get better at calculus because I enjoy math and all that laying the foundation of like developing some intrinsic motivation would really help kids actually develop joy because then you go into your nine to five, most people, and there's no joy in that either because you're just earning money. And then at what point in your life do you actually like do things for your own personal enjoyment? Right. And I hate seeing adults who don't like, they just work all day and Saturday and Sunday are recovery. Sunday's dreading Monday yeah. and the cycle just repeats. And it's sort of like mm-hmm. cliche at this point, but we don't do anything about it, right? Like mm-hmm. we're just kind of stuck in this weird limbo area where like we understand it's not good for us and we all don't like it, but we're not changing like the fundamental early things right. to prevent that later on. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with a nine to five, right? You can love your job. That's great. But so many people are stuck in positions they don't enjoy. And like, is that what we want to set kids up for like what hope do they have for anything if that's all that they see right so, so how do you start let's say um you know a, a parent calls you up because they're concerned about their son um sure. he is struggling in school uh perhaps he's been diagnosed with dyslexia perhaps he hasn't perhaps it's just a, a you know a real struggle i would imagine mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't like hey just help this kid explore his passion no um how do you get to know this kid and let him know, first of all, that you're interested in him as a human and not just as a reader and a writer? <laughs> Any new parent I talk to, regardless of like what they want out of my services, let's say, I always open with building rapport is number one. And 
it's like I've said it so many times now. It's like if I have the greatest teaching techniques, it doesn't matter if the person, the child and I are not vibing well. Mm -hmm. And that's like the mm -hmm. simplest way I put it. Yeah. And I said, I spend a lot of time in those beginning sessions. Like for, it really depends on the child, right? Like sometimes we click right away and they can, they, they can feel it that like I genuinely care. Other kids are bitter that they don't want help. And they're like, you know, because if they have to accept they're getting help, that means they are mm -hmm. inadequate in some way. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be, defensive. you know, they're not going to exactly defensive. Yeah. So and odds are it wasn't their idea to come exactly. find you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I've never had a kid who was it was his motivation, mm -hmm. you know, because, again, that comes back to what I was saying before. They don't care about school. So why are they yeah. going to go out of their way to spend more time after school to get help for something they don't care about? Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I make that very clear with parents where I tell them that like the relationship building is like the number one important thing because I could have like pretty bad techniques, but if our relationship is really good, I'm going to get further than the best techniques and no relationship. I have like a pretty controversial opinion in this regard where I love research and I love finding out the new cutting edge techniques, but they don't mean anything if the teacher and the student don't have great relationships like you can't outwork human bonding mm -hmm. right janet's so... nodding her head in massive agreement i'm <laughs> over here thinking it's exactly yeah. what the research has turned up in parenting too i mean mm -hmm. there's all kinds of parenting techniques and tricks <laughs> and styles and it always comes down to the relationship always. the relationship is foundational and i think back to i think this is probably where i started to learn this my dad and my sis my older sister they're like straight A students, valid Victorian types. They're the worst teachers. No offense to them. They are just <laughs> not patient and they're super it's... smart, right? But they got frustrated that I didn't get it like them. Mm -hmm. So off the bat, our relationship, at least in the tutoring situation, wasn't good. Whereas my mom, who on paper is not as qualified, right? She's not a college graduate. She wasn't a straight A student. She was so much better at mm -hmm. tutoring me because she actually was like empathetic. So yeah. she yes. never had to sit down. Of course, it's my mom. It's a different situation. But, you know, she never had right. to say like, honey, I care about you, blah, blah, blah. You just feel it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'll never sit down with a kid and be like, look, I care about you. I love you, whatever, whatever. It's just I'm so clearly invested into them based on, you know, how, the questions I ask them and how prepared I come. And I try to remember as much as I can about them. It's all those little things. You know, like, for example, one of the kids I was working with, he was just in a rough patch in his life. He was just struggling. And I asked his mom, like, is there a snack or something he likes? And she said he really likes chocolate croissants. So we sort of had this like inside joke where before every session, I would go to some bakery in his area and bring us chocolate croissants. And we'd have like this comparison. And then I exhausted all the bakeries in his area. So I started doing mine. And it was just like, those are the little things that show that, like, I listen and I actually care about you. I'm not just a, ro a robot here to teach yes. you and then leave. Another thing I'll, I'll do, which I think I just love, is I'll find out, like, what their, like, their main interest is. So most young boys are interested in some sport. So the same one with the croissant, we would warm up. Instead of, like, just chatting, how was your day, whatever, we would do it while playing catch with a baseball. So... Instead of, uh, you know, just sitting down like this and having that intro pleasantries or whatever, we would just do it while throwing a baseball. And 
he's getting to engage with his passion. Clearly, I care. I'm no great baseball player, right? But I'm trying for him. And that's what he sees. I never had to say that. We're more intuitive than we let off, especially kids and teens. And they pick up more on that than everything else because they don't have to worry about bills and the mortgage, right? They They can just focus on like, does the person in front of me actually care about me? Whereas I feel like adults, we have 9,000 other things to worry about. It's so true. We're not like hyper-focused on that. And that's just my own experience. I don't know if there's any like actual backing to that. Janet is smiling. Janet, talk talk (laughs) to us about the other reasons why that, um, you know, warming up with a baseball is so valuable and effective. Find out what Jen's referring to after these messages from our sponsors. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Listeners, you probably already know this. Your boys are active and Mm -hmm. they're going to be more receptive if they're moving. When they're moving Mm -hmm. their bodies, their brains are in Mm -hmm. motion also. And I think too, what you're, what you're speaking to is just this intuitive sense that we all have of like, this person gets me. Mm-hmm. And along with that, circling back to what we started with is I feel it if my parent does not believe me or believe mm-hmm. in me, sure. I feel it if they're frustrated with me, I feel it if they're, if they're doubtful that, mm-hmm. you know, I can do this thing. And sure. so for parents, it's, you know, it's the inside work. It's the inner work that we have mm-hmm. to do to come back to this place of oh, trust yeah. and belief and support of, mm-hmm. I believe you can do this and I'm going to be here as your support or get you the support <laughs> you need. Give us some examples of, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you take some time, you get to know a kid mm-hmm. and you start encouraging him, you know, hey, yeah, give this a whirl. Um, let's explore that and mm-hmm. how that helps, how your belief in him then encourages him to believe in himself and maybe stretch further than he thought possible. I'll give two examples because they're, they're kind of different extremes, right? I think the big catalyst here is just time. Like it just takes a lot of time to get connected with somebody, even if it's a quicker connection, right? Between like helping with school, helping with their confidence, helping with everything else. There's just not enough like I'd have to, I have to see the kids like every day and that just doesn't always happen. Right. So 
with the boy that I was bringing croissants to and playing baseball with, he wasn't able to play baseball for a stretch because he hurt his elbow. And he had this sort of like ambitious goal to try and break the state record for some track thing in his age group. He just like had this idea for a few years, but never, never, uh, you know, went with it. So rather than, you know, sitting there and just focusing on like his history homework or something, we sat there and for a couple sessions, like a half an hour in each session, we mapped out like how he would actually do it. Right. So it was like, you know, you got to get better in this regard. You got to buy these shoes. You have to practice X amount of days. And it's just a lot of building up that self-belief. I haven't worked with him in a little bit. He ended up joining the track team. That was the last that I um, spoke with him. I worked with him for like almost two years and he skipped the first track thing because he wasn't confident. But in that year, you know, through lots of talking and building that up and having a plan, most importantly, putting it on paper and me consistently telling him like, no, you can do it. I, I clearly, I wouldn't tell you you could do it if I didn't think you could. He mm-hmm. joined and I, I've been meaning to reach out to his mom and just see if he did break the record. But, yeah. you know, he, he wrote the goal on his wall, like on a piece of paper, put it on his wall. He took it very seriously, but I don't think he would have taken it as seriously if he didn't have someone who not only supported him, but like legitimately broke broke it down sort of like step by step like here's how you're actually going to do it the one that I help with in the mornings homeschooling I spend five days a week with him for four hours and then you know I see him once a month for in-person school so it's way way more intense so I have so much more time to like have him explore his passions and stuff Mm -hmm. but recently he started a pizza business and that's been lots how old of a kid how old a kid are we talking about he's he's 15 Okay, 15 years old. You know, reassuring him that like, yeah, you are capable. People are going to buy this at the farmer's market. And Wait a second. So. We're going to back up a little bit here because you told us that you live in New York City, right? Yeah. I mean, out of all the cities in the world to start a pizza business, I think it would be hard in New York City. There's 100%. fantastic pizza everywhere. Everywhere, right? He lives upstate three hours from where I okay, live. Okay, okay. So it's even harder because it's more remote. It's just difficult to just open a pizza shop. So... Again, it's taking that it's good that it was difficult for him because it took him really out of his comfort zone because we had to try pretty difficult. We had to email tons of farmers markets and, you know, develop a recipe. He he loves to cook, I I should have prefaced with. So it was kind of showing him that, like, you're a great cook. Let's take this to the next level. Right. And here we are now we're in we have like 11 dates that we're going to be making pizzas at. So we went from. We shouldn't email anyone because no one's going to say yes to now 11 people have said yes. And we've had to turn a few down because it's just hey. just too much time. So, right. He was interested in in cooking. So that was mm-hmm. the thing. And it's just I- exploring that, you know, letting it let him run free. Right. I'd rather him fail with me because I'm supporting him and guiding him than you know, you can't just like send them on their own. You know, they have to have that guidance. So I I hope that answers the question. You know, it strikes me, it is so much easier to hinder ambition and to sow doubt and to Mm -hmm. destroy belief than to build it up. And Mm -hmm. as you were talking about that boy and the pizza business, like listeners, you all can think of at least five reasons why this is a bad idea and it shouldn't work. Mm -hmm. And as an adult, Sometimes we want to protect our children from, you know, that disappointment and pain. And so we tell them all those things straight up. 
And it reminded me of when my oldest son, he's 25 now, Jason, but mm-hmm. when he was four, he got the brilliant idea that he was going to sell dandelions. <laughs> and nice. this is in my book that's coming mm-hmm. out. I almost put the kibosh on that immediately because like, honey, people pay to get rid of those things. They don't pay yeah. to get them. But I didn't say that. I don't mm-hmm. know why I didn't say that. I was probably too busy to say it. And he made his own little sign, you know, backwards letters and everything because he was four and he set up the table and he sold dandelions and people stopped Mm -hmm. and bought dandelions, partly because he's a cute four year old on the side of the road selling dandelions. If I had said no to that Mm -hmm. versus letting him have that experience and then feeling that belief in himself, that would have been a totally different trajectory. Yeah. And so... I encourage people, everybody listening, take a chance. Let your kids try things because it can go further than you think. And when they Mm -hmm. develop that belief in himself, I mean, Jason, how does your 15-year-old pizza entrepreneur feel now? And you know, it's funny. He he tried to start a sneaker detailing business. Like he paints paints his sneakers, right? And we found it to be very difficult to do it. But he was okay with that failure because he tried, right? So yes. it's sort of like there was no stone left unturned. And same thing with, you know, your son. If you would have said no, that memory would have stuck in his head. And yeah. he might have internalized that as, oh, my mom's mean. Or it would have been like, no, I can't start a business because it's too difficult. And then that's going to lead to self-doubt. So yeah. he feels amazing. He feels so good. And, you know, no no knock at his dad. I love his dad. But his dad's initial reaction was no. He's like, dude, you got no one's going to do this. How are you guys going to do it? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Selling a pizza is not the goal. The goal is taking a wild idea that you have, building it and turning it into something and just trying like, I don't care if we never sell a pizza. That doesn't matter to me. What matters is that you had this idea and we explored it. And that's it. That's to me is the purpose. It's not about like, did you make money? Or were you successful? It's just, did you try essentially? Because I think that that lesson is what holds too many adults back, you get caught and you get comfortable. It's good to be comfortable in certain situations, but you don't want to look back and just be like, wow, I wasted 30 years of comfortability. And then you ask yourself, well, why? And most people are like, well, I I wasn't pushed when I was younger to try harder things. And that's kind of what all my peers tell me is when I ask them, like I was recently talking to a friend of mine I hadn't seen in like two years and he's stuck at his job and he has this awesome idea for a clothing business. And I'm like, well, why haven't you tried it? And we played a little therapy. And when we dive deep into it, he's like, well, my mom has just never pushed me. And I'm like, well, you know, that's a whole different thing that I didn't go into with him in in the moment. But that's millions upon millions of people. Now I'm in a position to help prevent that. It's so important to me because it's avoidable. And if we can avoid it, why not? Right. Belief is contagious. Mm -hmm. Whether it is, I believe you can or I believe you can't. Belief is contagious and that is so powerful. What advice would you have? You know, most of our listeners are parents. They're Mm -hmm. parents of boys. They're concerned about their boys. They want to do good and they are kind of trapped and caught in this place of, I want to believe this is going to work out. And I'm terrified that if I don't do something right now, then it'll be too late. What advice do you have for those parents? I mean, the advice I would give is, the failure of trying is so much easier to reconcile than the failure of never trying at all and then having sort of the resentment. So with my friend, for example, no part of him 
has resentment towards his mom because she never pushed him to try his ambitions. She always tried to keep him on the safe route. So I feel like while your child is at home and has your comfort readily available, why not have them try anything? And I think it doesn't have to be something huge like starting the next Fortune 500 business. It could be something as small as a marigold stand or you know flower stand outside. And that's okay, right? Because the kid can deal with the failure of trying and failing as opposed to never trying, feeling like you're incompetent. And whether it's a parent's intention or not, no no parent wants their child to feel stupid, but the, the, the kid brain is going to internalize it however it wants to internalize it. Mm-hmm. And with social media now, where you have 18-year-olds who drive Lamborghinis and stuff, it's terrible for a comparison. Right. So when you So when you grew up and your parents never let you take chances... Whether or not that was your intention, the brain is going to internalize that as, oh, maybe it was because I was never good enough. My parents never saw anything in me and they were trying to protect me because I was stupid. And that's out of teens mouths that have told me. Mm. Right. I have one right now who constantly tells me he feel like his dad doesn't believe in him. And obviously his dad doesn't want to do that on purpose, but he doesn't realize that his actions of trying to keep his son safe is making his son feel less than his peers and just not as good about himself. So to wrap that long-winded piece of advice up, while your child is still young and at home, let them fail a million times because that's going to be better off, in my opinion, than if you held them back and tried to keep them safe. There's a meme going around that shows a child in bed asleep and the parent over them. And there's like hearts pouring into that child's ear. I don't know if you've seen it, but it is our words. Mm -hmm. Our words are building their inner voice, their inner dialogue, their intrinsic belief in themselves. And as Mm -hmm. you're talking, I'm thinking about all our listeners who are so busy and, you know, they're probably working part-time, full-time. They've got the sports Mm -hmm. thing to get to after school. And they may be feeling like, well, how am I going to help him do whatever X, Y, Z, but it is the little things. Mm -hmm. And I recently became a grandma just saying, but um, Bo is a year and I watch my daughter let him try Mm. so many things that, you know, he's, he's learning to fill up the bird feeder right now, which seems like such a little thing, but it's building his belief in his capability to do things. And he he recently learned to climb up his stool in the kitchen. Well, that mm-hmm. took a few times, but she stood there rather than helping him or setting him up there. She let him try. And she just yeah. stood there and said, try again, try again, mm-hmm. encouraged him. And so parents, it is those tiniest little moments. Mm-hmm. And actually what it does for you is it frees you up. Yeah. If you're turning over more independence to your child and the confidence, the capability that they can go down and get themselves breakfast in the morning, set it up so they can be successful. And Mm. those things are building blocks to starting the pizza business when you're 15, but it starts when they're young and yeah, yeah, you're busy, but let him, you know, drag his backpack to the car. Don't carry (laughs) it for him. All those kinds of things are the building blocks to this sense of belief, self-belief that we're talking about. I I couldn't agree more. Jason, 
I know that a lot of our listeners are going to wish that you could work with their kids. Mm. And I have a feeling that's not going to be possible for everybody. Yeah. But um, how can people learn more about you and your work? And even if they can't work with you, you know, where can they connect with you and, and get some more of this, this wisdom and encouragement? <laughs> I find stories like this super helpful mm. for me. And I think others do as well. Yeah. I mean, I try to share as much as I can on social media and give advice in any way I can. So my Instagram, my DMs are always open. Coach Jason Cantor, one word. And then my Twitter, I post a lot more longer form stuff and try to do as much anecdotal evidence as I possibly can. And that's just the Jason Cantor. I just want to help and inspire as much as I can, you know, and that's that that's really it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, the boys that you're working with, I'm sure that are feeling they should feel super, super <laughs> empowered by now. I hope so. <laughs> you believe in the boys you work with. Mm -hmm. We believe in the boys around us. We keep expanding this message. And together, Jason, we're working closer to that world where every kid has somebody who believes in them. I agree. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Everybody needs somebody to believe in them until they can believe in themselves. Listeners, thank you for being here. We believe in you and all the work you're doing in the world to support our boys and create strong families and good men. Thank you for being here and thank you too for supporting our sponsors. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.